Welcome to another episode of the Alias Secure AF podcast, the podcast about all things information security. I'm your host, Teddy Underkoffler. Well, thank you guys for joining me. Um, Before we officially begin, can I have everyone go around the room and say who you are and your job title so people can associate a name with the voice? This is Bo. I am the Chief Technology Officer with Alias Forensics. This is Andrew Lemon, and I'm Senior Security Engineer here at Alias. I am Jeff, and I'm a Security Engineer here at Alias Forensics. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Um, So this episode, we're talking about monitoring. So before we get into some of the nitty gritty details about why people need monitoring and what exactly its uses is, um, let's just go ahead and talk about what exactly is monitoring. What's the overview for it? Sure. Yeah. So when you say monitoring, um, we're going to talk security monitoring. Um, most organizations have a different blend of security products installed. Um, no organization is really alike. Uh, so they typically always have a firewall, they have antivirus, they have um, you know, different detection mechanisms that'll trigger uh, you know, different rules. Um, but what's a shame is that a lot of organizations, they don't assign the proper headcount to watch these things. Um, but, you know, in the case that, you know, you do have a security person assigned, he will look at these logs when he has time. But unfortunately, uh, looking at logs doesn't make a company money. Um, so they really put that in lower priority. Um, so when you say monitoring, we're going to say uh, you look at different items that come up. Um, do you take action on them? And, and it usually initiates an incident response process. Um, a lot of organizations, they have a great incident response process, but it's the speed at which you go about detecting and responding to those. And that's tough. Um, people get just really uh, bogged down with the day-to-day responsibilities. So you say monitoring can be a full-time job or it can be a part-time job. And depending on the organization, um, the priority is always subject to whatever uh, the organization deems. Um, So alias, uh, we do some security monitoring. Uh, We enjoy it. Uh, We like to do threat hunting and we we dig into what's going on. Um, And, you know, we do the incident response as well uh, and and we enjoy it. We have a fun time with it. Um, So how exactly do you monitor? What are some of the tools? What are the differentiators between the tools? Um, So you can do monitoring just uh, directly looking at the appliances or the tools themselves. Um, You know, you can get email alerts generated. Uh, You know, you you can do all kinds of things. Sometimes, um, you know, the worst case scenario is when things just stop working. Like, hey, we had an outage today. The Internet stopped working. And uh, a lot of times you'll, you'll get the firewall guy on the phone and you'll say, well, what happened? Um, and he'll just look at it from an operation standpoint. And the worst case scenario is you say, man, we, we got compromised, we got popped, and, and somebody actually took control over our firewall. And at that point, it's way too late. Um, so uh, you can do monitoring, I guess, in real time. Um, like you say, how is it done? You can do it real time, but you're going to have to have the all, like, let's say, seven or eight different consoles open. Um, or, you know, like I said, they'll, they'll generate real-time alerts or emails to you. Um, at that point, you got to have somebody there to respond to them and take action. Um, so that, that's one way to do it is to be very, very responsive, um, you know, just in individual platforms. Um, another way to do it, and, and we found this to be kind of the more um, intelligent way to do it, is you take the data from each of these security appliances and you try to feed them into one, like, aggregated source. 
Um, and that's what we're going to say is a SIM these days, so that security event and incident management system. Um, and that's, that's kind of the more modern way to approach, um, let's say, monitoring, um, security event monitoring, is to have all these uh, appliances that each organization uses, um, you know, downstream all the alerts and events into one single source. And then that way you have an analyst or, you know, like us, um, we'll go through and we'll look at things in just one pane of glass and we're able to pivot and, and kind of move and aggregate data uh, very quickly. Um, you know, I can give you some examples, but you, you ask how is it done? And that, that's just kind of how it's done um, from a process and, and like real high level standpoint. Um, but, you know, every, everybody does it differently and just kind of depending on the level of effectiveness, effectiveness that you want to get to, um, you can put more manpower into it or you can just put more time and resources as it relates to technology into it. So everybody has a different risk appetite. It also matters who you put in front of that, uh, that interface or that terminal. So it, it matters who you've got interpreting that data. So you can have that data be sent to someone for external analysis or you can have an internal engineer analyzing that data uh, but it, it you know it all depends on what your uh, budget acquire or, uh, uh, is set for yeah that's correct so um, sometimes you'll send these alerts let's say to the help desk and you got like a level one help desk guy that um, you know all he knows to do is like man I just want to close tickets so he'll just you know he'll, he'll acknowledge it and close it um, but does he really know the right action to take that that's difficult do you have the expertise on you know what to do with this alert um, you know, so it, it helps to have a little bit of experience with, let's say, um, an IDS or an IPS or different AVs that trigger or, you know, now we're getting even to the level of, you know, we see PowerShell commands getting kicked off and, you know, that's, a, that's kind of a suspicious thing to, to look for now. Um, but again, a PowerShell may be totally legit in your environment. It just depends. And so you said IDS, IPS, and PowerShell. What, what are those? Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll take a step back. Um, an IDS is an intrusion detection system. So that's where, let's say you have something sitting on your network um, or on a host, and it'll sit there and analyze network traffic. And out of that, it'll probably, you know, the traffic passes through it or it'll take it passively and it'll do a little pattern matching to say that, hey, this matches a malicious signature. Like there is a, um, you know, you can look at it from, let's say there's a user agent with NMAP. So NMAP's a port scanner. Um, a lot of times, you know, if somebody's doing a scan on your network and you see NMAP, you, you're going to want to get an alert. Uh, that means somebody's doing some recon or they're trying to identify and fingerprint what's on your network. Um, so when you have an IDS out there, you'll say, oh, I saw NMAP on your network. It's, I am detecting a potential intrusion, so it'll send you that alert. Um, and the IDS, uh, you know, it's just detection. But if you had an IPS, um, that's an intrusion prevention system. Um, and that's where something will sit in line and actually block or drop that traffic as it comes across. So if you saw that same NMAP user agent, uh, you'd want to deny that traffic. Um, IPSs can get a little bit slippery. Um, they take a little bit more maintenance, a little more administration because they can, you know, erroneously block things, but you got to tune them out um, um, based on your environment. Yeah, I think an ideal configuration, your IDS would feed into your IPS and you'd have enough specificity between the two to be able to kind of take what you need and discard what you don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so... Um, Different products uh, kind of integrate IDS and IPS into what they do. 
Um, so there's some, let's say, all-in-one solutions, like you're a firewall, you're a content filter, you're an IDS, and um, you do different like AV scanning on the wire. Um, but then as you, let's say, you advance in your technologies, you want to break out these components to be specialized. Um, so that's where you know, you'll have a very specific appliance that's just a firewall, you have a very specific appliance that's just an IDS, or you have a very specific appliance that's just a content filter. Um, and that happens as you grow as an organization, and then you'll see that you know the more systems you have, the more uh, complex it is to monitor each system. Um, and that's where uh, the use of a SIM, like I said, you'll take each of these feeds and aggregate it down into one platform and you'll kind of get that same visibility. Um, so the administration is still greater to maintain each of those unique products, um, but the monitoring can still be simple to where you're only monitoring one, uh, let's say, system that's being fed by all these other ancillary systems. And you can monitor that stuff manually, but the volume and the, the amount of work required is, is incomprehensible for a human. So having intelligent rules and intelligent alerting on the different events is very important. You know, and having a person that can implement those rules and identify what rules need to be applied to your organization also sets us apart. Yeah, so um, I'll just throw out some names of some different ideas. So, so Snort uh, is probably the most historically known uh, IDS out there. Um, and Snort's a, a very good IDS. Um, and then there's the one uh, called Suricata, and it's, um, it's a little different. It's kind of what they say is the next generation of Snort because it's, uh, it's, it's multi-threaded. Um, but you can download rules and threat intelligence feeds for each of these IDSs. Um, and again, these are just like an antivirus to where you download signatures um, and it'll detect just different things that happen. Um, there's also IDSs out there that are behavioral based, such as Zeek. Um, and Mr. Lemon over here can talk a little bit more about Zeek and how it's different than, let's say, a signature based. Let's IDS. go Lemon. <laughs> so as far as Zeek goes, it's really looking at um, behavior. So is it looking for beaconing or kind of what's reaching out to the Internet? And that's where these sims really shine is uh, adding all of the logs together and letting you pivot through them. Uh, so your monitoring solution may be something like Security Onion, which is a conglomeration of tools that uses Zeek, catches PCAPs, and you can do your full analysis based on from the time you saw PowerShell execute all the way through it downloading a file. You could use Zeek to see that traffic look, looks like beaconing. You can use the Wireshark function to actually go in and pull out the bad uh, executables. And who doesn't want to reverse engineer a bad executable on their environment? Yeah, I, I know. I know a couple of guys that enjoy yes, doing that in their yes, spare time. Yes, <laughs> yes. Benwalk, notable uh, acknowledgement to Benwalk. Thank you guys for creating that software. It's excellent. Um, but yeah, the, the IDS, you know, questions of what does it monitor, right? So it, it'll monitor traffic, right? Um, and and like Mr. Lemon said. Um, you know, you can get full PCAPs, uh, kind of like the metadata out of your PCAPs as far as, um, you know, source and desk IP. It'll tell you what port it's running over. It'll give you information like this is the user agent making this request. Um, and it, it's very helpful, um, even all the way down to like doing things like DNS monitoring. So, um, you know, DNS comes across the wire um, on port 53 and it's unencrypted. So you can do um, just different analysis on, on what is being communicated without actually being on a DNS server. Yeah. So it's, it's a great level of visibility that you can get. Yeah, and I can add to that. Uh, in one of our engagements previously, uh, Bo was able to set up his SIM and I was able to run some test requests that basically <laughs> pushed the whole entire um, 
uh, declaration of independence into a user agent for HTTP. <laughs> so the what? SIM was actually able to pull up that traffic and identify the whole declaration through the SIM. So like normal tools and monitoring, it's hard to get that kind of granularity and specificity towards what you're looking for. But but it was it was nice to be able to basically see my little efforts be recognized on the yeah, so, tool. So let, let, just before everybody thinks you're real crazy, um, I'll, I'll say what the specific <laughs> ask was. Right, right. Um, the ask was for you to try to exfil data, right? Yes, so yes. I, I, I challenged you to exfiltrate data and me not be able to detect it. And, right. and I, I was just, I was all grins to know that you tried to exfiltrate the Declaration of Independence yeah. because that, that yeah. really shows who you are there. Yes, um, yes. And so how, how he did it was he put um, one line of the Declaration of Independence uniquely into each request in the user agent um, of, let's say, you know, he curled it. Um, and curl is just a web request command. Um, but he changed his user agent on each request uh, to iterate through the lines of the Declaration of Independence. Um, and so I, as I aggregated the logs, I was, it, you see what is this we the people user agent. Um, and so it, it was pretty comical to go through and, and find out that this freedom fighter over here was trying to exfil. But if um, nobody's watching that, nobody will be able to see that. Right. And, and that's kind of going along with what, what I'll call, um, you know, that's like a DNS smuggling. But you were doing smuggling over user agent, which is very clever. I, I haven't really seen that done a lot. So, so props to you for getting creative. Um, but 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 we enjoyed it. And, and so, um, and, and what he's talking about is we did uh, kind of a blue and red team uh, simultaneously, and that we call that kind of a purple team. So it was a good exercise for us to both sharpen our skills to where, um, you know, I, you know, got to personally do like uh, the blue team on the defense side. Um, I got to sharpen my tools and, and verify their ability to detect. And then these guys over here doing the bad things. Um, I yeah, got to tell. Them, I, got to, I, I got to tell them how noisy and noob they were because um, <laughs> of the of the things that they were setting off. And I got to ask Bo, "Hey, did you detect this?" He said, "Well, no, I didn't." Okay, that's cool. I won't tell you what it is. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. He did not divulge all of his secrets. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. He's, right. He's a real magician over here. Um, so it was fun. It was a fun engagement, and we learned a lot off of each other. Um, right. It was kind of a exactly. scrimmage, and yes. uh, yeah, yes. we, it was it was a good, healthy exercise. Um, on and it was cool because it was on a neutral territory on someone else's environment, um, and so we just both rolled, both rolled up the same day and said, "Let's let's do this." Right? Yes, we were, absolutely. We were gunslinging. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I loved it. Uh-huh. And so what software did you use to actually monitor Jeff's network activity? Um, so we used the IDS, the CERCOT IDS. Um, and then, you know, that's that's part of our, our whole SIM solution that we can roll out and put different taps out on people's network. And so um, a lot of people, they just monitor their perimeter um, and they don't see any lateral movement or visibility. So uh, Jeff, they were they're plugged in internally on a network and they were jumping between like the user land and then the server land. And uh, we were able to detect that, and that, that's a big, um, that's a big like segment of darkness that a lot of companies don't know. Um, they only see things that go in and out of the perimeter, just because the cost of security is so great to deploy internally. Right. And Lemon, you want to elaborate on LLM, LLMNR detection and how the SIM caught it, whereas a bank we recently audited, their SIM was not able to detect it. So that's one thing we were seeing is we were actually poisoning the LLMNR request, and that's for. Uh, old school Windows uh, actually getting hashes and passing them across the network. Uh, Bo was able to detect it with the SIM, but usually you would not see that kind of activity. 
Uh, you wouldn't see it in DNS logs because it's a kind of a legacy protocol. Yeah. I didn't like it. So whenever Bill reported that he was <laughs> able to identify a behavior, I wasn't a fan of it. But for our clients, I am. So it just, you know, in our internal skirmish, like Bo said, I wasn't a fan of it. But in reality, to what we're providing our clients, that just sharpens our offerings. Yeah, it, it was good. And um, again, this this is, uh, you know, that, that LLM and R attack. Um, you know, there are signatures that's been developed. I mean, I, I, the alert signature was back, I think, from 2016 at least. I mean, it was several years old. Um, so it's nothing new. It's, it's an old technique just used in organizations that don't have the proper configurations. Right. Um, and so, again, that as part of their pen test, it's not just, hey, we're running Vuln scans. They're actually trying to... Um, compromise the configurations of the environment in the operational state. And they, they were able to, to poke through that, and they did a really good job. Yeah, and I'll say, like, there's, I don't know, there's pen test, co- pen test companies that will just do Vuln scans, but very few people, from what we've seen, actually try to exploit what the vulnerabilities report. So we have that advantage where we're actually given permission because of our reputation by our clients. We're given permission to actually execute these exploits um, and, and in a non-destructive way to be able to prove that they were actually done. Yeah, and, and let's just say, um, you know, we had a conversation that you guys were able to uh, get domain admin, right? So right. The, the next logical question is, all right, high five, domain admin, now what? Right, right. Yes. And so, uh, um, you know, we, we had a discussion on, you know, what, how far would a true bad guy take this? So... Um, we said, okay, what would a true bad guy do? Well, let's say he, he wants persistence, right? So he right. created an account. So um, our guys, they create an account in Active Directory. And then that, that's cool, but what, what's the payload? So um, the next request was, let's see you exfiltrate data. And that's, that's where um, Homeboy over here, he exfiltrated the Declaration of Independence. Um, <laughs> we, we didn't truly take any like password files or anything like that. Um, but the methodology was proved. The, the fact is we can take data from your network and we can send it to an external server and you cannot detect it was, the, was what we proved essentially. Right. So um, the value of the IDS, right, it, it, it sees things, um, you know, into a greater detail than let's just say like a level like a layer three firewall. Um, so a lot of people, they're just, this port's open, this port's closed, or even a content filter will only uh, give you the information on you went to a, a, a poorly categorized website. Um, so even, you know, if a, cat, if a website doesn't have a category and you're smuggling the data out, um, you know, your content filter is going to let that go out every time. Yeah. For me, I, w- I would be looking for basically this IP address have, has never been sent an HTTP request in the whole entire uh, lifespan of this company. Why is this one address sending one to this random address I've never sent data to? So alert on that. Yeah, yeah. And it, you did good, by the way. I, I was very impressed Thank with you. that technique, but you can't use it anymore because you've been found. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. exactly. I'll keep my other techniques to myself. Right, yeah, <laughs> and, and, until round two, buddy. But yeah, don't exactly. worry, I, I've got some more, I got some more tricks for you lined nice, up. Don't nice. you worry. We, we got you, buddy. Nice. Um, but no, so uh, the alerting on that, right? Um, so the idea is it picked up these alerts, right? It, it feeds them into the SIM. Um, like I said, the SIM is something that just takes data in from different sources, um, and we're able to pivot and use things like that. So um, after the IDS picked up this alert, like LLM and R's going on, um, I was able to use Windows logs to kind of see where these guys have, lo- you know, where they've had failed logins, successful logins, what they've been trying to do on file shares, all that kind of action. Um, as opposed to, let's say, you know, someone had to go and touch or, or remote into like 
30 different servers and say, man, what happened here, right? And go through that arduous process of looking at event logs on the box. Um, so it, it, it lowers your response time um, and the ability to detect what, what was going on. And I think that's a good example of ingress versus egress monitoring and then mm-hmm. east west versus north south so can you explain can you elaborate east west north south yeah, i mean that because sounds like gang I was, terms yeah. because i was and i was able ingress, to figure ingress. out your implied meaning from a technical standpoint but can you explain to our audience like what east north east or north <laughs> south east west means sorry <laughs> excuse me uh, yeah so uh, north south you're looking at uh, ingress and egress points in the network so that would be things going out the internet things coming in whereas east west will be machine to machine so a lot of times so a lot of times you'll see uh, you won't catch things that happen on floors so if you have a floor switch you won't catch traffic from one machine to the next so it's important to kind of consider that when you're putting your sensors in place uh, where your data sources and how are you capturing Uh, in this instance a firewall wouldn't have protected you so people say well we have a firewall your director says we have a firewall why didn't it catch these guys and it's because we never traversed it. Right. That's correct. Yeah. And uh, at the beginning of the engagement, it, it, was, it was quite comical. Uh, Mr. Lemon plugged in the network. I said, hold on a minute, buddy. <laughs> I'm going to ask you to pull that out. Um, so I wanted to be in between him and the network. Um, and that was just having that preemptive capability to detect it. You know, most organizations, they don't have that unless they're planning ahead. Um, you know, you don't suspect a you know a bad guy to come in through a badge door and then sit down in an office and plug in and then just just wreak havoc. <laughs> right. Um, but it happens. That's how these guys did it. You know. Um, you know. You got to understand that layer one, uh, which is the physical layer, if if that gets compromised, the the whole you know layer one through seven is basically compromised. You got to assume that if a bad guy can be hands on with a computer, you might as well assume it as compromised. Right. And so, like a, a previous engagement we went on, it really pissed me off because it was I don't like I don't have that much corporate experience. Mm-hmm with technologies in terms of blocking, but Cisco ICE was a pain in my uh, behind because I've never experienced something like that uh, in my testing. So yeah, it's yeah, it's very important. So to yeah, what, what percent of companies that you uh, do assessments on would you say have knack, right? So where you can't even like plug in on their network. Dude, it, it, this was the first instance that I've personally encountered it in all of our engagements. We run into knack fairly often. Um, correctly configured and executed yeah. NAC, right. not right. so much. So exactly. uh, NAC's a, a dream, and a lot of people oh, will sorry, say... Sorry, let's stick... What is NAC? Uh, yes. So like, uh, network access control or Cisco ICE would be a specific one, which takes MAC addresses either for a vendor or from a whitelist and will either allow or do but, dynamic VLANing. But I will say I did take a Cisco VPN phone, and I spoofed the MAC address from my interface... And I still connected, and I even did something dumb like open up a Netcat listener for the SIP port to try mm. to make myself look like a phone. But Cisco Ice still blocked me, so I don't know what's going on with that, but I don't like it. Yeah, so a real short layman's definition of NAC is network access controls. It, it says that no one can come and plug in on my network without me specifically allowing them. So it, it's a preventative measure that, that stops you from that physical layer of putting a network cable into your computer on your network. Um, it's, a, it's a very effective preventative measure, and there's a lot of organizations like financial institutions that require NAC um, as far as risk mitigation. So you say physical. Sorry, do you literally mean they cover the parts? Like the parts <laughs> no, the that's very like, funny. I, I, I have seen <laughs> these like little uh, these 10 cent 
plug yeah. that basically block mm-hmm. your ability to plug into a port, right? It's, uh-huh. it's pretty silly. But no, it's, it's more technology-driven that it just makes the port dead, essentially. That even if you did plug in, um, it, you could not uh, gain access to somebody's network. But there's got to be a way around that. Like, there's got to be a way to, like, okay, take a SIP phone, right? It's probably looking at Cisco update servers. It's probably advertising certain ports as open. Like, how could I defeat Cisco ICE? That's my real question, guys. Sounds like you got some research <laughs> ahead of you. Yeah, buddy. I need some. I need some, man. Like, because it's yeah, yeah. It's, it's um, it, there's a reason. There, there's a behavior they're looking for, and I just want to be able to so, spoof that. So let's let's take this very exact example, right? So say you were messing around and you right. tried to get on somebody's network, and Cisco ICE blocked you. Cisco ICE is going to be generating a log. Who sees that log and right. knows that you, buddy, are over there in this room and you're trying to just <laughs> wail on somebody's network? Right. And so, oh, well, man, we got a ticket to the help desk right. that somebody plugged in on this system right. over here. Like, say I broke into the bank and I got into a physically. So I've, I'm a burglar. I get into the bank and I've gone on a terminal. I'm a burglar and I'm good at IT, right? So then I get on the computer. Whoever gets that alert should be able to make an action based on that alert. So if nobody's getting that and, or nobody knows how to right. interpret that, like, right. not being so, protected. So this is where monitoring is so important, right? So um, you have these great products and these great appliances. Um, and so, like you said, Cisco Ice, we saw that we blocked this dude from trying to get on my network. But then he just went over to the next room and tried it again. Exactly. And he tried it again. And at that point, you need somebody over there to come figure out what's going on. You gotta call the police. Yeah, because you wanna do something. Yeah. This, this dude over here, this burglar over here, right. um, he needs some attention. But what what's the shame is, is, as I was mentioning earlier, a lot of organizations they don't dedicate the resources to monitor the alerting on these things. Um, they do pony up the resources to implement the technology. Um, and do the upgrades and do all that other stuff. But operationally, when, when it's doing the alerting, um, they don't put the energy into the remediation of it, right? The follow-up and the incident response. Um, and that's what the shame is, right? So you have these excellent products doing their job, um, but they don't close the full loop on you know, mitigating the threat. So realistically, the only way, so if you're a business, you have monitoring, something's happening, your money could be stolen or something. The only way to protect that would almost be if you had someone there actually watching the monitoring to save the business money. Yeah, because we could have the monitoring set up, but how are you going to know how to interpret it or translate that information to something that you can make sense of? Mm -hmm. You can't consume the data unless you have somebody that's an engineer or you have an interface that kind of boils that down to consumable information as an executive. So, so here's the most common scenario that I see is um, organizations, like I said, they buy these great products and then, you know, they, they get somebody come around like an auditor and they say, well, who's monitoring it? And uh, we say, well, Joe over here is monitoring. And they say, well, how often is Joe monitoring it? And they say, well, he monitors it when he can. Okay. Um, that's not good enough. And, and then the, the company says, well, how often should we monitor it? And the auditor says, well, it needs to be 24 seven just because for these burglars that are jumping in and wreaking havoc. Um, and then, so the organization says, man, we, we don't have enough headcount to monitor this 24 seven. What, what, what are we going to do? And so the, the, you know, the, the CIO goes back and does the math or the CISO goes back and does the math and he goes, man, that, that's going to, we're going to have to hire eight people 
to monitor this 24-7, you know, 52 days a week. We can't hire eight people, right? Or you can work smarter, not harder, and actually have a computerized system that's actually intelligent, that does all your work for you, that doesn't have to be fed food or water or sleep, <laughs> bro. This sounds so, like dreamware. Hey, hey, hey. So, although, what would be the difference between a computer watching it versus what if you, like, outsourced it to a sock? So what I would here's what I would present. As a programmer, I can make very intelligent... Uh, conditional statements that will only alert me on stuff that's actionable, that's legit actionable. Like, I don't care if it's something that looks weird. I want something that is weird. So as a, so as a person, I can actually see what's going on. Right. So again, th- this, is, this is the intelligent angle. But what if you get that alert and everybody's asleep? Right. So, so that's why you need some intelligence with some human interaction. So you have to have the intelligence filter before a human sees it. So basically, I want all my computer intelligence to say, okay, you've had a failed login that's, say, 20 times, whereas normally we only see 10 failed logins over this X amount of time period. So that's what I want the computer to tell me as a human look into the login attempts, and I can investigate. But I don't ever want to see each time some failed login happens. I don't want to investigate each time that happens in an instance. Right. So, um, yeah, so the audit finding comes up. You know, you, you need somebody looking at 24-7. Um, and people don't want to hire eight people. You know, they, they know that there's tools out there that'll help them out. But then at the same time, you need that, that response, that instant response if something were to happen. Um, and that's where Alias has is, is kind of found a need that, you know, we do provide that assistance. Um, so we, we augment, you know, a SOC staff. And, um, you know, our guys are very technical. And like, like Jeff just said, man, we, we do very intelligent looks at what is weird, not what just kind of somebody thinks is weird, right? Um, but they do. They, they know how to um, identify threats, narrow it down, pivot through the data, you know, build a case against it. Um, you know, our guys also, you know, we'll send out the forensics dude and we'll do incident response and we'll, you know, we'll image the hard drive and we'll take it all the way to court when we need to. And I'll say, look at like, you've got two security nerds looking at a bunch of data. When we see an anomaly, you bet we're going to want to investigate that. (laughs) You you guys live for that stuff. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's what we live for is investigating those anomalies. Right. I think it's also good to look at, um, alert fatigue so if you have joe who's dedicated to now looking at the sim well joe's also the sql admin god bless and, joe yeah oh, he manages the man, mail I server know, I know. <laughs> how much can joe really look at and a lot of people when they get popped on an audit or on a pen test well now we turn on all of the logging right. so we need to tune our sims and tune our alerts but then also also make things actionable so right. that's where a third party comes in where they can say hey I'm only going to call you when you need to do something. I like when people go, oh, man, I can't hire another Joe for 40 grand a year. But guess what? Your ransomware actors are going to demand from you probably 100K. Oh, my gosh. So you yeah. probably should invite well, Joe for his 40K a year because uh, ransomware actors that want 100K for just a one-off, it's probably going it, to pay off. It's an investment. Exactly. Right. Yes, sir. Right. Yes, sir. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me for this episode and talking about monitoring. I appreciate it. Yes, absolutely. It's a pleasure. Yeah, yeah we, we love what we do. Yes, we do. <laughs>